The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. <laughs> fans welcome to our second edition of the bird call this is sb nation's nba podcast dedicated to the new orleans pelicans i'm your host preston Ellis, and i am joined once again by our buddy kevin barrios what's up kev oh nothing much man dude happy sunday morning we're going to debut this in a couple hours it'll still be sunday uh it is the day the lord has made and we are here to talk some basketball but before we go any further i want to thank everyone listening for their support our first episode was a major hit thanks to all of you guys thank you to ollie thank you to the bird rights for letting me do this now if you want to get even more bird call out there keep retweeting spread the word like and share comment on itunes every little bit helps now let's get going without further ado i'm scott trout CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Kevin, we've got the breakdown on Drew's contract. Uh, in case you guys didn't know, we re-signed Drew Holiday. Five years, $126 million with uh, performance incentives that can take it up to 150 Right now, the breakdown is 22 in the first year, 23 second, 25, 27 in the fourth, and then player option for 29 in the last one 538 estimated holidays value at 87 million over the next five years uh kevin tell us what are your thoughts five years 126 happy sad or somewhere in between uh well i'd say i'm a little disappointed i mean as expected it it was going to be an overpay we all kind of knew that but it's it's disappointing because you know you're you're hearing this whole thing about it's uh his alleged you know strong bond with his team and teammates and, and realistically, there was a lack of ability to get that kind of money anywhere else. Um, and then the team was also obviously willing to bring in his brother from all indications, and that may still happen. Um, so I kind of feel like, you know, it, it was kind of he raked us over a coals a little bit. You know, I, I would have been a lot happier with a 17, 18 million a year deal. But um, bringing him back was crucial. And he knew that, and his agent knew that, and they just, sort of, uh, you know, held us hostage a little bit, unfortunately. But the thing is, we got him back. He's key to the uh, defensive identity and key to keeping the uh, our roster options open with the MLE, the BAE, you know, trade exceptions, 
uh, non-guaranteed contracts, all those things we needed to bring him back. So he's here. Um, he's getting paid too much, but you know what? Um, those three, and if we could add a, a few more core pieces, uh, we should be pretty good for a, a while. Yeah, you could say it was a bit of a two-way standoff because obviously the Pelicans needed to resign him, but also the the market out there is dwindling for point guards. All that we really have left who are among the major players are George Hill and with only the Knicks interested, uh, although it was reported by Aldridge that the Pacers were interested in Drew Holiday. How how real do you think that interest was? They have $25 million in cap space. I'd be very surprised if they offered him four years 100. What do you think their interest level was there? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure. The, the Pacers are kind of – I'm having trouble figuring them out because, you know, you hear the rumors of what Boston was offering for Paul George, and if you're going to rebuild the team and you already have that young piece of Miles Turner, that seems like the deal to take, even though you're sending Paul George to, you know, a conference rival, which is maybe why they sent him to, you know, the West instead. But um, what they got back, I mean, they get back Victor Oladipo, who's signed to to a long deal now. He's he's still young, but he's not like, you know, uh, a prospect anymore. Um, and that's like the core of that that trade. So I'm not really sure if they're thinking they can try to do something to compete now, or if they're still looking at the future. You know, doing a little bit of a slow build. But it, right now, it seems like they are looking at trying to stay competitive, which is kind of weird. But I guess if all these people are leaving the Eastern Conference and the Cavs are really the the Cavs, Toronto and Boston are the top three teams that have players uh, I mean they still have a good shot to be in the playoffs next year I suppose yeah I guess so the east is is pretty weak it's it's disappointing to me and I think that this is something that might have been generated by his agent Jason Glushan because I can't imagine the the Pacers in their rebuilding mode right now Um, although someone also reported that the Pacers aren't a rebuilding type team they're always going to compete for the playoffs so there is that argument to be made but I guess more than the money, the the player option in the fifth year really bothers me. Do you think that's a scenario where we could have taken a team option or maybe a slight guarantee on that fifth year? Do you think we had to give that to Drew Holiday? Yeah, I mean, you're right about that. That's just another, like, I I didn't realize that you told me that this morning because I hadn't seen the the full breakdown of the contract yet. But, um, yeah, I mean, giving him a player option for $29 in the final year is, is pretty pretty crazy especially i mean like like we said um you think about everything this team's done for him i mean he came here knowing he had an injury that wasn't disclosed he suffered through a couple of years of him not being able to play because of that injury then you know you give him the time off to to deal with his family situation and all of those things and it's just kind of like he just held us over the fire a bit there kind of disappointing And with performance incentives that can reach 150, uh, that could be pretty catastrophic to our cap going forward. But uh, let's move on. We've we've diagnosed already that we're a little bit disappointed. Things could have been worse. That's where we stand. How does this compare to other free agents? Obviously, Blake Griffin looks to have gotten the worst contract in the NBA at five years, 173 million. Obviously, if he reaches his potential and shows the way that he did three years ago when he was a top five player, then that'll be worth it. But uh I think uh, all indications show that he's breaking down. I think he's had nine surgeries at this point. He's approaching 28, I think. And now they've got him locked up for five years. So this this will take him until he's 33. Is this 
Is this the worst contract in your estimation so far this offseason, or would you put it on someone like Jeff Teague? Um, well, Teague's is shorter, and so, and he doesn't have that injury history. So while it's an overpay for sure, I would say you're probably right about Blake Griffin. Um, I mean, the thing about Blake Griffin, though, like if he if he is able to stay healthy, which is a question mark, obviously, um, I think he's going to be in a better situation than he was playing with Chris Paul because I just don't think that that triangle that they had put together really fit very well. You know, those three big players, but Blake Griffin is a pretty good playmaker at the power forward spot. Um, he's expanded his, his range. Um, I just think this is going to unlock a little bit more for him. He's going to look better when he's on the court. He's going to be more impactful. Um, but yeah, you're running a big risk with that contract. I think, I mean, he's, uh, I'd be very worried about his athleticism declining and his, uh, his injuries really hampering his, his ability to stay on the court going forward. Uh, right now, Steph Curry and Blake Griffin have the two richest contracts so far this offseason. Drew Holiday is third at 5126, potentially 150. Are you surprised at the uh, Kyle Lowry's that were leaked late last night? I think they're about three and 81. That breaks down to about 27 a year, which is a little bit more than Drew, but it's about, you know, 45 less in guaranteed money. Are you surprised they didn't want to lock him up for five years, even though he's 32? No, I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's obviously the reason. I mean, he's 32, so, you know, you lock him up for five years at that rate. He's, he's then 37 at the end of that contract. Um, not to say that he can't still perform at that level, but you're you're running a risk there, and, and you're, you're not giving yourself a lot of financial freedom towards the end of that uh, the end of that contract. So, I mean, I understand that. I think it makes sense when you have an older player and you have, core pieces there to compete right now to overpay a little bit on a shorter deal, um, you know, to try to make a go of it and see how it goes. Uh, I misspoke back there. He's 31. He'll be 32 in March. Um, I just want to touch on two more free agent signings that have happened in the past 24 hours before we move on. One is Andre Iguodala, even though it hasn't been confirmed uh, numbers say it's somewhere around three years, 45 to 48 million. Obviously, he's a shutdown defender, NBA Finals MVP. But at this point of, of his career, he is a specialty player, somebody who only averages 25 minutes per game and then does most of his contribution in playoffs. Are you surprised the Warriors were willing to shell out 50 million for him? Um, no, I mean, wait, did he sign with the Warriors? I thought he was signing with the Rockets. Well, they made a late offer to him last night, and numbers were broken down to uh, – it was disputed by two different sources. One said 45, the other said 48, and he is 33. He will turn 34 on January 28th, but he has canceled all of his other visits, so it's strictly between the Rockets and the Warriors right now, and I can't imagine the Rockets are still in that competition as they've just signed P.J. Tucker to four years and $32 million. so I would think that would be the slot where Iguodala would have fit in. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Possibly. Um, I mean, I think the the deal is a bit rich for the for the Warriors just because you know all the core pieces they have. Although he's been you know he's been crucial to what they what they've done. Um, but I thought it would be a good signing for the Rockets, honestly, because um, in the 
when he's playing for the Warriors, he doesn't get to be his his self that he was in Philly. I mean, where he could be more of a distributor. He's more of a offensive threat, even though he's not the greatest shooter. But um, he, he was just more of a dynamic player there. He's more limited to a specific role with the Warriors. So when you're paying that much money, I mean, maybe they could have they could have maybe gotten PJ Tucker and uh, filled that role that way, but. Um, I mean, he's a good player. He's a good athlete. He's a great defender. I thought it would have been interesting if he would have ended up with the Spurs, you know, because um, they were talking about him going there for a little bit. Uh, if you had – imagine having Kawhi Leonard, Jonathan Simmons, and uh, and Andre Iguodala on the court at the same time. I mean, it's, like, impossible to score on that. <laughs> so Yeah, I'm ultimately glad that he went back. What's that? I'm ultimately glad that he went back. I'm just, I'm just shocked. That seemed like a, although he is, like you said, integral to what they do. That just seems like a slot where an older veteran like a Vince Carter could give them 65% of what Iggy does and probably on the veteran minimum. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they could have definitely, but you know, is it bad to see a team that's like a a competitor want to spend that money to stay, stay on top of the game? I don't think so. I mean, I think if the, if we were the Pelicans and we're in that situation, we'd be happy that they weren't going to uh, shy away from spending money to keep the keep a winning team together. So it it doesn't. I think it's a. I think it's kind of refreshing in a way. You don't see like this cost cutting move, even though they have you know four players already that should keep them you know at the top of the game anyway. No, it kind of reminds me of the the 1990s Steinbrenner Yankees, where uh, one team is just spending significantly more than everybody else. What does the luxury tax matter if this guy's willing to spend $400 million a year on these guys? But uh, I'm glad to see him go back. I actually like watching the the super teams and watching all the other teams challenge him. And it doesn't seem like the Western Conference teams are scared of them because they've all been bulking up uh like we mentioned the rockets and some of the draft picks uh of the mavericks and the wolves getting jimmy butler now jeff t but let's move on to the pelicans we've talked enough about the rest of the association david aldridge is reporting that ty lawson and nick young are sharing mutual interest with the pelicans young uh declined a 5.6 million dollar offer to return to the lakers this year so you have to assume he's looking at a piece of that mid-level and multiple years he had a good year last year 44% uh, catch and shoot, uh, according to Ali Cassell, fifth in the NBA. However, he is 32, so you wouldn't think it would be more than a two- or three-year three, three year deal. Ty Lawson is 29 and could potentially start for the Pelicans. Uh, he averaged 25 minutes per game and averaged 10 points, five assists, and one steal per game. Uh, how are you liking the look of these two guys in New Orleans, and what do you think New Orleans offers them? Um, I'm, not, I'm not really on board with signing either of these guys I mean Nick Young I could stomach a little bit more because of that the shooting um and also I feel like you know we do need some more guys with a little bit of attitude you know Boogie's our Boogie's our guy uh with, with the attitude right now so um we need another burst of personality I think but um I don't know I just not so enamored with Nick Young. I've never really been, but you know, like you said, those catch and shoot numbers are solid and we could use some shooting on the wing. And for a while, you know, I didn't, I, I'm not going to say I watched the Lakers a lot, but you know, indications were early in the season that he was playing good defense. I, I'm not sure. I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it, but I remember people talking about his defense being improved. Um, 
I wouldn't want to give them a lot of money or a lot of years. We're talking about, you know, a three to four million dollar deal per year for like two years or something. That's fine. But I wouldn't go anything over that for Nick Young. And as far as Ty Lawson goes, um, I'm not. I've never really been that enamored with him either as a point guard. Um, and I don't, I kind of don't like this uh, sort of Kings exchange program we have going on. You know, the whole idea is like we, we took, we saved Boogie from this uh, situation where he was suffering and we want to show him that we're a different organization. We're not a dysfunctional organization like they were. It's one of the reasons everybody wanted to bring Alvin Gentry back. And then we're just trying to grab former teammates of his from the Kings. I don't, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I think we can uh, find better players. And also I don't think the point guard situation is as dire as a lot of people do. I think we're in a lot better shape than a lot of people think. Well, uh, that was a nice transition to speaking of Kings exchange. Uh, my next uh, player available was going to be Rajon Rondo that Chicago Tribune uh, reported the Pelicans might have interest in should he be waived. And of course he was waived. And uh, DeMarcus Cousins was quoted as saying years ago, quote, I will kidnap myself, uh, unquote, in order for the Kings to re-sign him and refer to him as a big brother when the Bulls signed him. Um, the Pels have a chance to re- reunite the two. By the way, I'm reading this straight out of Ali Cassell's uh, article this past week. So you guys go on over to thebirdrights.com and read some of the stuff. He's got a lot of great insight into this. So I am completely stealing his uh, great work. Uh, he averaged in his lone year in Sacramento 12 and 12 and six rebounds in 35 minutes per game. Do you have any interest in Rondo? I don't. Um, I mean, he's total offensive liability. Can't shoot. Um, he's he's known to, to become a head case during the season, even if he enters in uh, in a positive note. If he's even if he's like starts off and try to prove it, I'm team first guy. He kind of ends up falling apart. A lot of clashes with players and coaches. Um, I think, you know, he's a guy that's a ball pounder. If you're trying to move the ball around and if you want the ball in Boogie's hands, um, you know, that's, I don't really see the need for Rondo. I mean, it's cool that that him and Rondo have a good relationship. I mean, that could be something, but I just, I I don't really see him as a good fit for this team and the, and what they want to do offensively. And he used to be a great defender, but uh, that's sort of declined over time. And a lot of his assist numbers are kind of inflated by the way he he plays the game. They, you know, he, he kind of haunts assists, you know, if that's a thing. But, you know, pounds the ball, pounds the ball, pounds the ball, doesn't move it around, and then, you know, makes something happen last second. But, um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think he's a, he's a good fit for this team at all. Now, I'm bringing up these guys because I, I see these guys as potential uh, minimum contract additions. Uh, at this point of their career, they just they just need to prove it. They've had decent to subpar seasons, not enough to generate like a big market contract. Nick Young would probably be uh, the highest potential in that regard and that he shoots so well from three. But even he at 32 is likely not going to get a lot of years. He could potentially get one year rich deal, but he might just want to come to New Orleans uh, and just shoot from the corner with a couple of superstars. The reason why I don't want to talk about the mid-level exception and the biannual exception 
is the luxury tax. We're already at 109. The tax this year is at 119. We have bird rights on Dante Cunningham. You'd have to assume we're going to give him around three to four million a year. That will put us at 112. Then we have to sign Frank Jackson. That'll be another million or two. And at that point, we've only got about four million dollars left. Do you think Tom Benson and Mickey Loomis are capable of going over the luxury tax this season? Well, I mean, yeah. You look at, I mean, I've I've said this before. I mean, look at the Saints. They look how much dead money they pay on that roster every year for a mediocre ba- uh, football team. I mean, when's the last time they were over eight and eight? I don't know. Uh, I don't really pay that much attention to the football, but they spend a ton on dead money every year for a team that's not producing. And now you have this basketball team that has two superstars. You added a third guy who's a former all-star who has a lot of potential. And, you know, it's the most exciting team we've had in a while. And you have a chance to really, you know, I mean, if they don't make the playoffs this year, it's going to be a huge disappointment. So I don't see why they would not spend money to to build this roster when they're already, you know, when you look at how they run the Saints and all the dead money they spend for a mediocre team. Now, dead money is a little bit different. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the salary cap numbers are in the NFL, but they're somewhere around 150. But those numbers still fall under that salary cap tax. It's it's very similar to uh, to Armera Sheik. You know, you've just got a, a guy who's not playing, who's taking up part of the cap space. But there is no luxury tax over it. You, you have to stay. It's a hard cap. Uh, the NBA has a, a softer cap where you can go over, but you pay the penalty. But with that being said, this is a very important year because if we don't make the playoffs, then potentially boogie walks, potentially Anthony Davis is requesting his way out. We have to fire Alvin Gentry and rehire another coach and pay Gentry for the third year of his contract, even though he'll be absent. So I definitely agree that this is this is a year where if if they're ever going to go over the luxury tax, this has to be a year. And with that being said, let's talk about some some potential free agents. Uh, Mark Spears reported that that Boogie was reaching out to some guys. And do you have any idea who that could be right now? Um, some likely candidates, I think, for the exceptions would be Reggie Bullock, Justin Holiday, KJ McDaniel's, Jody Meeks, Dion Waiters, Jeff Green, Bob Mute. Uh, what do you think? Um, I mean, I'm I'm not sure who he's reaching out to. I mean, there's, I think right now, um, sort of our main weaknesses we could use another guy to play on the wing a guy who could either play the two or the three and then I still think we could use another backup big um so looking at you know possibly uh, you know like you mentioned him before Vince Carter could be a guy um you know Justin Holiday. obviously we know about already Kyle Korver another shooter um CJ Miles another shooter um maybe even a, a Michael Beasley take a gamble on him. I mean, he's, he's, uh, you know, fixed his behavioral problem seemingly over the last couple of seasons. He's been able to stick with the league. People seem happy with him. Um, in terms of backup bigs, you know, I've always liked James Johnson, but you know, I have a soft spot for people with uh, neck tattoos. I think, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just always liked him, uh, but I like the grit that he would bring. I mean, he's improved as a three point shooter. He's a good scorer, a good defender. Patrick Patterson's another uh, good backup big man, a good stretch four. Um, and same, I, I like Maurice Spates too, you know, setting screens, hitting threes. He shot some three really well last year. Um, I think those guys could uh, hit slide in there. Um, and then, you know, uh, let's see. 
I never thought about James Johnson because I just assumed the Heat were going to re-sign him. Uh, but who's who's to know? Uh, Gordon Hayward right now is rumored to go back to Utah. But if he does go to Miami, that might free up some um, some possibilities that James Johnson could walk. Maurice Spates is a good one. I like him just because I think he could potentially fit in at the minimum. But uh, one question I want to give to you is technically we still don't have a starting point guard. Uh, last year, the the last 25 games of the season, we moved Drew Holiday over to combo guard and gave all those minutes to Tim Frazier. And he did a wonderful job of uh, just keeping keeping from turnovers. He didn't he didn't contribute a lot in terms of shooting or defense, but he held on to the ball. That's something Drew Holiday couldn't do once DeMarcus Cousins was added to the mix. And we do have some potential guys that could fit under those um, exceptions. Darren Collison could potentially fit into our mid-level. And Sheldon Mack, I think somebody who could potentially fit under the biannual or maybe even a minimum. Do you like those guys at point guard at all? Um, I'm, I'm okay with those two guys. I'm not like you know, enamored by them. And I, like I said earlier, I don't think the point guard situation is as dire as, you know, people are making it seem. Um, I mean, we just, look, you just paid Drew Holiday that much money. He's got to make it work. He's got to be, you know, he's got to be the guy. Um, I think anybody else who would add at this point, a point guard, it needs to be through a trade to get somebody a lot better. And, you know, you know, obviously, we've talked about this many times, and I, I've even written a ton of trade pieces before where I've tried to, you know, score this guy is Eric Bledsoe, and you're here in Phoenix is willing to take on some bad contracts and for picks, and you know, maybe you could pry a, a Bledsoe away with some combination of contracts and picks. And I would definitely overpay to get him here. Um, you put those two in the backcourt. That's a great defensive backcourt, and it's kind of like it's kind of funny in a way because like. Bledsoe has the personality that I wish Drew had, and it's kind of like a mirror image of the front court. You have the fire and ice front court, the laid back guy, and the and the fiery guy, and then the back court. You have the same thing. You have the laid back guy and the fiery guy. Um, but I think those two would play well together. Um, that would be something I would do. But I'm also fine with Holiday being the lead guard. I mean, he's paid like one. Prove that you're one. You want to be one. Also, Boogie's going to be a big part of initiating the offense, which is going to have less pressure on them. They have an offseason, figure that out finally and, you know, be ready once the season starts. And then in terms of, like, backups, um, you know, Jordan Crawford, when I interviewed him, he said that's one of the things that they really um, focused on in, in their offseason talks is him being more of a more of an initiator, you know, getting his teammates go and running the offense a little bit. And, you know, when Rondo was down and out in Boston injured, Crawford filled in, and he did a pretty good job there. He even won Eastern Conference Player of the Week in that role. So I think he can uh, play some point. And then I think the team's pretty high on Quinn Cook, and I I am too. I, I've, uh, you know, I watched him play a little bit in the D-League, and then Ollie and I saw him up close and personal in the D-League All-Star game getting big minutes, and he looked, he looked fabulous in that game. I mean, of course – it's an all-star game and it's D-League players, but it, unlike the NBA all-star game, it was they were like trying hard and playing defense. So it was nice to see um, what he could do. And his shooting numbers, I think, are going to be solid. He's a good scorer. I mean, if he becomes a decent uh, facilitator, I'm really not that concerned. I think we have guys that can handle the ball and pass, especially if you're putting the ball in Boogie's hands for much of the game. 
I want to talk a little bit more about uh, Eric Bledsoe because obviously that's a that's a sexy player to think of in in New Orleans, uh, another potential All Star level talent. Um, but my question to you is, I, I think he does a lot of things similarly to how Drew does, and I question the fit. Although he definitely makes the team better, there can be no disputing that, especially if we can offload salary to get him like a, a Sheik and a Jinsa, maybe a coupon. Last year, he averaged 21 and 6, 33% from three. Not, you know, exactly an elite three-point shooter. And he's a, a scorer-first type, bulldog-type ferocious player. Do you think that those four, like, score-first type players would mesh well together? You think they figure it out? Yeah, I mean, I think they do. I The thing is, is like, you kind of put in, like, Bledsoe and Holiday, are, you know, are both sort of that that combo guard but more of a, like, the needle moves more towards point guard than shooting guard. So you're kind of, like, you got two of those guys in the backcourt now, plus Boogie. So you got a lot of playmaking on, you know, people can take over, can take turns, those kind of things. But the thing about Bledsoe is he's great at attacking the rim, and he's decisive when he does it. And that's always been my problem with, with Drew Holiday. He's kind of a slow plotter and doesn't really – go with much aggression um holly's a probably a better shooter than than bledsoe but uh, you know bledsoe gives us that athleticism that we're kind of lacking in in the uh, backcourt and um i think they they've worked fine together honestly and then also you do similar things with like how you stagger boogie and and ad do the same thing with holiday and bledsoe where one of them is on the court for most of the time and of course they share uh, court time as well, but that really unlocks everything. You always have a guy that that is a starter qual- starter's quality on the court um, running the show, and then also defensively. I mean, he's a he's a great defender. I don't know. Like I wrote um, back in January, I wrote a piece about it was like a three team trade where we where we sent Drew to uh, Utah, and we got. I mean, and Cunningham to the Suns with some with a pick, and we got Bledsoe and Trey Lyles back in that deal. And there's like a clip that I put in there where it's where it's uh, Bledsoe versus Westbrook, a game they played together, and it's incredible. I mean, I think Bledsoe is the closest thing to Russell Westbrook um, in terms of intensity and athleticism at the point guard spot. And I mean, if you can add a guy like that, then I don't see how you don't do it. I mean, go all in. And his contract is great, and I think it runs out when he's 30. So you still have, like, uh, you know, he's still got a lot of years left on his career, and his athleticism should hold up through that contract at least. Yeah, and since they missed out on Blake Griffin, uh, you have to think that he doesn't want to be part of this rebuilding uh, method in, in Phoenix at this point in his career. He probably wants to be on a team that's that's contending or at least feigning contending. Uh, speaking of Quinn Cook, we've got Orlando Summer League coming up uh, in two days, actually. It'll be the 4th through the 14th, so if anybody is privy to uh, credentials in Orlando, make sure you go and watch him and report back to us. And uh, then talking about the luxury tax and talking about trades, one way we can avoid the luxury tax but still bring in some talent is our two trade exceptions. We've got a small one from Tim Frazier, and of course we've got the one acquired in the Buddy Heald trade last year for DeMarcus Cousins. And some of the guys who fit uh, really well under that $3.6 million are Troy Daniels, Will Barton, uh, Nick Stauskas, 
Sadoransky, Vonley, Nojira, no I don't know how to pronounce his name, from Toronto, and Shabazz Napier. And my favorites from this group, Nick Stauskas is seemingly being replaced by Redick in uh, in Philadelphia right now. Noah Vonley is going to be replaced by, I think his name is Jason Collins, the new 10th overall pick in um, in Portland. Najira, of course, Ibaka is coming to town, so he's not going to get a lot of minutes. Will Barton is stuck behind uh, Jamal Murray and Gary Harris and Malik Beasley, all these young guys, and he's uh, an expiring too, so they're probably going to want to offload him for some kind of asset. And then we've got Emmanuel Moutier, a former, you know, top 10 lottery talent who isn't getting a lot of minutes and was passed over for Jameer Nelson last year before Jamal Murray started playing at the point. Uh, It looks like things aren't going well for him in Denver. Tell me, what are some of your trade exception options for the Pelicans this offseason? Well, one of my top guys, I I also had written a trade piece about him in the offseason, is Rodney Hood, because, you know, Utah just locked in their point guard they're hopefully bringing back gordon hayward um and that's going to be a lot of money possibly bringing back joe ingles is going to be a lot of money and hood's contract's going to run out soon and do they want to pay him too they also you know go bears extensions kicking in so they have a lot of money on their hands to spend so hood could be a guy that they could look to move and he would slide right in and he's a guy that you know, like I said, I'm looking for somebody who could play the two and the three. He can do that. He can even fill in at the one a little bit every now and then. Um, he's a good shooter, a good scorer. He's long. He's athletic, decent defender. Um, I think he he's a good fit. Um, Trey Lyles is another guy I've always been intrigued by. I think he he could be a good backup uh, power forward and play both. He can play next to AD or uh, or Boogie. He's a Pretty, he's shown to be a pretty decent uh, three-point shooter. He's great scoring in the post. He's not a good defender at this point in his career, but he could possibly develop that. Uh, Rashawn Holmes from uh, Philly is a good backup big man. That intrigues me, um, especially they keep adding more and more big, so I don't know where you know the minutes are going to go. I mean, they still have Okafor on the roster. They just got Amir Johnson. They got Sarich. They drafted a couple of guys this year that also are big men. Um, then a Kyle, <clears throat> Kyle Anderson in, in San Antonio. He can play the three or the four and swing around there. He's a pretty decent playmaker. You know, he's a guy that I would take a flyer on as well. I also like Will Barton, as you said. Um, I like T.J. Warren a lot. His salary would slide in, but I think it would take off a bit of an overpay to get him from Phoenix because, you know, he's still young and he fits that core of what they're trying to do over there. But he would slide in. And then, of course, I've mentioned before, Alfred Payton, although I don't think point guard is that huge of a need anymore. Um, But, you know, he would be a pretty good insurance policy as well. I like the T.J. Warren and Kyle Anderson ones. Uh, those are ones I just didn't think would be available because their teams probably value them so much. Rodney Hood's another really good one. He fits right under Frazier's exception, so that could be useful. Trey Lyles, I don't know about because he was just traded to Denver. I don't know what the restrictions are trading someone once you've uh, recently acquired them, if there's some kind of timetable to that. But uh, we both agree on Will Barton, um, another Jordan Crawford-esque player, I guess, uh, but about five to six years younger. He would slide right in and create some scoring for us. Uh, 
from the bench unit uh, if he didn't start, if he started alongside Drew Holiday. But you know what? I'm going to cut us off here, Kevin. Thank you. That's some great stuff. Uh, do you have any predictions going this week? Do you think we sign Ty Lawson and Nick Young sometime over the weekend? Um, I don't know. I think those kind of guys, you can give it some time and wait and see what's going on, what other moves you could make. Um, so I don't think there would be a big rush on those guys. I don't think they're that high in demand. I think you're going to see those kind of guys come in, you know, in a, I'd say, you know, maybe four or five days from now, if nothing, if they can't figure anything else out. All right, then. Uh, well, we'll see what happens. Once Gordon Hayward officially gets signed, a lot more pieces should start falling, you'd have to think. But for now, you guys, sports fans, go over to thebirdrights.com. Jason Albert has a great article right now on NBA free agency. We've got some stuff from David Fisher and Ali Cassell. Kevin, you got anything coming up for us? Um, not at the moment. I'm going to kind of wait and see how some of this shakes out. And then um, in the next couple of days, and if uh, if I'm not happy with uh, the way the roster is, I might try to start looking at some trade packages or things like that, that we could put together to further enhance it. But uh, at the moment, I'm kind of in a holding pattern to see some more dominoes fall before I, I get going. You got it, man. Again, you guys can follow Kevin. He's at Kevin B for Bounce. Of course, go over to thebirdrights.com and follow us at the Bird Rights on Twitter. And our leader and commander, Ali Cassell, thank you so much to him and the entire team. You guys are really crushing it over there. And for all you guys listening, thank you so much again for joining us. My name is Preston Ellis. Again, if you want to help us out, retweet, share, all that good stuff. We really appreciate all of your support and hanging in with us. And we're going to keep this going. Next time we have a, we have some kind of trade or free agency signing, we'll be right back to break it down. We'll bring Kevin, Ali, or maybe uh, David Fisher or Zach onto the program. So you guys stay tuned. Thank you so much again, and let's go, pals. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's... A burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.